welcome to the Lockdown Lowdown with HappeningInHearts.com coming up on the show. We've got an interview with Marcus Alexander who lives in Hartford and has worked in the financial services industry for many years on how to avoid COVID-19 scams. Plus, fun and banter with the one and only Graham Mack. But first, all the latest news on what's reopened. Many people in Hartford will be pleased to hear that Mudlark's Cafe has reopened on Railway Street. And I understand they've, as well as coffees and other goodies, they've got ice cream. It's never too early in the morning for ice cream. Pickle and Slice is open in 4th Street um, on Fridays and Saturdays. Do pop in. Um, they're having a bit of a tough time because of all the, uh, the parking ban on the street, which is now basically Cone City. So do pop in and grab coffee in there. Um, in a few weeks, Pierce's Farm Shop will be offering pick-your-own-fruit social distancing measures. Um, that sounds interesting. Obviously, it's something that lends itself to social distancing. Um, Frankie and Olive, the um, boutique in Hartford, is also planning to reopen on the 15th. They're all COVID ready with lots of screens and um, etc. Looking good there and a new website. Um, The Deer Cafe over in Hoddesdon has reopened for takeaways, as has the Chateau Cafe and Captain's Fish and Chip Shop has reopened Monday to Saturday from 11 o'clock in the morning. We've all seen the fabulous yarn bomber figures. Now they're actually auctioning off the uh, amazing NHS and other uh, key, uh, key worker figures um, and to raise money for um, the Citizens Advice Bureau in East Hearts and Carers in Hearts. Um, now the auction will end on the 10th of June at 6 o'clock. Do head to the Facebook page where you find out all the details. Worried about how scam artists are taking advantage of the COVID-19 crisis with scam emails and phone calls? Well, don't worry. Earlier, we spoke to Marcus Alexander, who lives in Hartford and has worked in the financial services industry for many years, and asked him for advice. Um, yeah, well, what's your interest in scams, Marcus? It really comes from, um, I've spent quite a lot of time over the last few years working for, for different financial organisations and banks. And so I, I work in my day job when I'm not baking bread and things like that as a, as a digital designer. Yeah. And I was involved in a few pieces of work over the years about trying to help people become more aware of scams and help protect themselves a bit better. And so I've learned quite a lot about you know, what, what fraudsters and scammers get up to and the sort of tricks they play on people. And yeah, it's all quite scary. But then when lockdown started and I was at home a lot more, t- a lot more of the time, uh, my phone started ringing. And that was the first time I'd really, you know, been on the receiving end of a lot of this stuff myself. Yeah. And so it just made me realise, you know, even when you know exactly what they're up to and you know that it's a scam, it still can be quite 
unnerving and surprising when the phone is ringing and somebody's talking to you about something. So it sort of um, catches you off your guard a bit. Yes, yeah, completely. I mean, no matter how prepared you are and, and how much you know about them, it, it still doesn't stop you jumping a little bit at the first moment, you know, when you pick up the phone and there's there's a voice at the end with some kind of scary story. And it so just got me thinking because there's yeah. so many people at home at the moment. And I know there's been a, a quite an increase in this this sort of scam and all sorts of other things. But it's something that, you know, people need to talk about and, uh, you know, be aware of and talk to each other about so that uh, they don't get duped. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, there's all there's all sorts of different... I mean, I, I keep getting... I, I get... Um, I'm on sort of the local neighbourhood watch email mm. and we get... I mean, it's called something else. It's called OWL or something now. Um, and we get messages about particular ones from the police but yeah it sort of seems seems rife so i mean what kinds of ones were you on the receiving end have been on the receiving end of at home then um, we've had a had a couple which were pretending to be from banks um yeah. you know saying oh there's a problem with your account we need to investigate then they start asking questions that sound like they're asking for information they shouldn't need to be asking for um so what kind of things bank account details sort of, yeah sort of personal details and bank account details and things like that and i tend to hang up on them pretty quickly yeah not let them get that far but also had quite a few and i think i think there was a whole spate of these a few weeks ago from pretending to be from telecoms and broadband companies yeah so BT, Virgin Media, things like that, and they phone up and they usually say that there's a problem with your broadband or they might say that they've detected some illegal activity on your broadband or something like that to get you really yeah. scared. And, and then... And the thing is yeah, as well, if, yeah, if you're ahead. sorry, if you're, um, you know, they're taking potluck, aren't they, sort of choosing which company to go with but yeah. if they strike it lucky and you have actually got an account with, with you know virgin or vt or whatever then you can get you quite worried can't it yeah yeah exactly that's you know that's the thing that they and i don't know if you know much about how they operate but uh, there was a, there was actually a very good panorama show a few weeks ago yeah um maybe more than that now where they did some investigation and that you know that a lot of them are quite professional call centers they're not one person in a room really the, the people who work in them will typically be people who have worked in call centers elsewhere and they're just trying to get a job um, yeah and they're based all over the world in different countries and um, so yeah they just work on volume and every now and then they get someone who you know the story chimes with and then they start stringing them along but if they get it wrong then usually they'll be off the phone quickly and dialing up another number onto somebody else well, because yeah. at the beginning of the year my mother-in-law got caught out by she did have some problems with um, her broadband and and they rang up and, and said mm. you know they were from bt or whatever and and the next thing she knew they were in her computer and you know try asking for yeah. money and you know, all sorts of things, and um, she had to sort of shut it all down, but it was quite quite scary. Yes, yes. Oh, and she's quite that's savvy. What they, that's so. what they typically do is, you know, they'll, they'll either encourage you to make a payment or they'll 
maybe you know encourage you to give them access to your computer through one means or another and um, then they'll start helping themselves effectively yeah it's a, it's a worry isn't it what 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 other kinds of ones are we, we sort of seeing at the moment uh, I've, i i get a lot of emails i think i think for me it's mostly emails and telephone yeah so emails i i tend not to worry about because you know they're they're usually quite easy to spot. I did get one about the TV license, which actually sat in my inbox for a couple of days because I did initially think it was real. And then I had a look and remembered that I was on a direct debit and I didn't need to worry about it. Yeah. That's but, the thing. Yeah. You've got so many bills and things going out. It can be hard yeah. to keep track. Um, but, you know, I haven't had any of these so much myself, but, there, you know, there have been a lot of coronavirus related scams where people you know tailor the story to that or they pretend to be from the hmrc with offering support and all that sort of thing they'll always whenever there's a crisis they'll always use that as a story and mm. start using that to find new ways of uh, spinning a yarn effectively yeah whatever well it's nice to think they keep it topical anyway isn't it <laughs> <laughs> but it but it you know it's scary and i mean we've we have seen sort of ones where people are dressing up in boiler suits and knocking on people's doors and saying that they need to come in and i don't know do a clean up or test yes, people for something yeah. and it's you know it's one thing people emailing you something it's something else when they're they're turning up on the door yeah yeah and that that sort of thing is really that that's a sort of different level of uh, scariness really but yeah. fortunately that's still quite rare it's not yeah. like that every day no yeah um, it's, it's easy so i haven't seen that myself it's easy no we, we haven't had certainly had had that in our street but i mean it's also i mean we can be well we can all like to think we're all quite savvy and we but you can be caught unawares but then also it's a bit worrying when you've got older relatives or, or relatives who aren't necessarily as as clued up as well that they might or neighbors that might be a target yes yeah exactly um and that you know this is the thing which which is always a concern for me because right now there are so many people who are you know largely spending their time alone and particularly you know older people or more vulnerable people who found themselves stuck at home without not really able to get out and about. Um, yeah. It's really important to, to keep in touch with them and let them know that you're around and that if they do get anything like this or any unexpected calls, that they got someone they can talk to and ask about it. And that's the thing. Because as long as you can go to somebody else and say, oh, these people rung me up, I'm not sure if it's real, then, then you can it can easily work out, you know, what to do next. But if you're sat on your own and you don't have any support at all, it's much more difficult. It's difficult. So the, you know, the, one of the most important things for everyone to be doing at the moment is just keeping an eye on everybody they know, whether it's friends or family, making sure that um, they're okay as well. Yeah, definitely. And so what, what sort of advice would you give for, um, in terms of keep, you know, keeping an eye out for these things? I think that uh, what the thing that frustrates me a lot is that there's so much advice out there and a lot of it gets quite complicated and technical because mm. you know, people who are experts on the subject find it quite interesting. So they 
<laughs> they will create interesting advice. Um, but the basic, the most important thing really is just to remember that you know, if you ignore it, then you won't lose anything. Um, so if, if someone phones you up and you're even slightly suspicious and you hang up on them, that's it, they're gone. And yeah. that's, you know, you don't lose money by just hanging up on people. <laughs> no. <laughs> it sounds, sounds a bit harsh, but the best thing to do is just put the phone down. And then if you are concerned, you can get the number of whoever they pretended to be from a website or from some a bill or something like that and call them up directly and say, I've just had this call, was that you? And they'll be able to help you. But, you know, if you put the phone down straight away, as soon as it doesn't feel right, then you're already protecting yourself from the problem. Yeah, exactly. And if they are genuine, well, the people yeah. will, you know, get in touch with you some other and way. So that's, that's what, that was always my advice is really just do not be scared to put the phone down, hang up on them and just, you know, not carry on the conversation. Yes. If you're in the conversation, they will be trying to make you scared. And if you're not in the conversation, then you're fine. Mm. And I think that's, that's the thing that people, people need to know is that at the end of the day, you know, banks and utility companies and organizations like that don't really go cold calling people. It's very rare that they will call you up. And so if you do get a call, it's probably not from them. And no. you're not, even if it is from them, you're not going to lose out by hanging up and then calling them back in your own time. No. So just, you know, put the phone down. If you're worried about it, talk to somebody you know. If you know somebody who might be receiving these calls, talk to them and let them know that you're there and they can talk to you. And then that way you're a lot safer. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's nice, simple, solid advice, Marcus. Mm. Yeah, and as, for, as for the emails, it's kind of the same. Just you can usually you can usually tell they're not real if you have a look at them. But if you're a bit concerned, just ignore it because it it's not likely to be anything important, even if it is a real email. Well, it's rare that the banks email you really, unless exactly. it's just, you know, an update on your account in terms of yeah. bank balance. But yeah, I mean, an HMRC, I mean, I, I did actually, I ha have had one call from them, I think in 25 years. <laughs> that was yeah. it. And I was very suspicious when the one lady rang, but it was to do with uh, childcare. Yeah. Um, but you know normally uh, when you get these these and this scam emails you know these emails saying you've got a refund click on this you know it's nonsense because if you get a a refund from the tax man they just pay it straight into your account yeah yeah and usually with an email if you, if you know how to check what the email address is oh yes of the sender then you can usually see that it's not real but and it's not no. always that easy particularly if you're on mobile because they usually get hidden so you know, if you have concerns and you know someone who's, who's a dare hand with smartphones and computers and just say to them, is this real? They'll easily be able to look for you and tell you whether it is or not. But it's sort of just keep taking that are, time of, of mm, not rushing into yeah, dealing with it. Yeah, because real organisations aren't going to, you know, send you to the police or switch your account off or something like that at a moment's notice, which is the sort of thing they tend to try and scare you with. 
So, yeah, exactly. you know, what they'll, what they'll try and do is make you feel like it's urgent. So you don't think that if you just, you know, hang up, ignore the email or delete it or get someone else to check it for you, then, then you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, fantastic. That's, that's a great help. Hopefully it's set quite a few people's minds yeah. at rest. Yeah. Well, Thanks. I hope Marcus. everyone stays safe and just keep looking out for each other. Yeah, definitely. It's really important at the moment, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Are you kind to work experienced people or do you go and get them to collect your dry cleaning? Graham Mack and I talked about the time I accidentally wrote an expose about a local radio station where I've been doing work experience. And it is, man, you just don't know where people end up. You really don't uh, in, in radio. And you, you have to be, I mean, you literally have to be nice to the work experience kid. Do you know what? You're because so you could right. Be working for the work experience kid. It's true. <laughs> yes, he could be. <laughs> Or they could, oh my God, do you know what? I, I, I wanted to work in radio a long time ago, but I accidentally, well, I burnt my bridges without really realising that's what I was doing. So I was doing work experience probably about 20, 25 years ago at BBC Cambridge here and I loved it there and I really wanted to get a job, but there, there weren't any. And I also, you need, they needed people who could drive and I couldn't. But um, I got a job, I got, well, I got, I got a job, but I got, um, with a local magazine in Cambridge that had just started and it was really it was a real startup it was in, in this guy's house like we were working in in the bedrooms and things kids bedrooms and stuff it was really weird and his mother-in-law used to make us lunch and, and stuff because it was out sort of in the middle it's near Girton it was near nothing it was all very odd and he was he was American chap and quite odd but anyway um I'd got this initially I got a, a just a uh, a, a gig with them to write an article inside Radio Cambridgeshire, inside BBC Cambridgeshire, right? Um, and I've been doing work experience there quite a long time. So, and so you were working for this, this other company, but you got to write the article. Well, how did you get to write the article inside well, the radio station? You see, initially what I was doing, I was doing work, I, I was temping at an office while after university trying to decide what to do. And then I was doing work experience sort of a few days a week at BBC Cambridgeshire. And then they, I went and did work experience for two whole weeks. I sort of took time off work. And um, I'd pitched a feature to this magazine. It's called The Cambridge Insider. It doesn't exist anymore. About, you know, saying, well, I'm doing, I'm doing work experience here. It might be interesting. But anyway, the thing was, and then, then they eventually, they offered me a, a job on it. I just, I think I was only nine grand a year. It was, money was dreadful, but you know, you're a student, you're just a new graduate and it was fine. But yeah, and literally I was so naive. I really got into the confidence of a lot of the presenters there and they were all really nice. Well, I mean, some of them were a bit bonkers, but literally people had told me about their stalkers and weird, you know, because you know what local radio is yeah. sort of odd, isn't it? And, and the sort of the odd people that would turn up that they couldn't get rid of in, in the reception and, and all of this. And of course, Muppet Girl dishes everything in the article about, you know, Mandy so-and-so's got this stalker and, you know, there's, there's another... And you name names? I name names. I said, you know, such and such breakfast presenter's got a, a stalker who rings him at five o'clock in the morning and hangs around this, the, the reception. There was a young guy... 
um, who was oh, like a young Dale Winton. I can't remember his name, but he was Kyle something. He was like full of beans, really, really lively. Kept saying things to me like, Piper, um, oh my God, my dream would be like in Notting Hill. I think it's Notting Hill where they, they open the door and there's all these reporters outside. and, okay. and yeah. So I thought this meant, you want me to write about you in the article, you know. And, and it does sound like he wants to be better known. Desperate than, than for, just you know, in Cambridge. Yeah. Publicity. Anyway, yeah. so I wrote this this piece inside Radio Cambridgeshire, all, all this stuff, how it all works and doing work experience, blah, blah, blah. Name names, all of this thing. And the thing was that the way we distributed, it was a free magazine. And the way we distributed it was that we rang up local places and so like cafes and stuff. And we said, can we, would you like free copies? And we sent free copies to Radio Cambridgeshire for in their reception. And I rang them up and I said, uh, you know, are you, ha you know, are you pleased with the article? And they were absolutely furious. And they were, uh, they were, you know, like we don't want, you know, this is really inappropriate. Um, we've got your magazines about us in the reception. The guy, um, Kyle or whatever he was called, I can't remember what, what his name, he was really upset. You know, we'd sent a photographer down there to take pictures of him and they were all really offended. But I rang through and I spoke to the receptionist and she said, do you know what, Piper, I really enjoyed your article. <laughs> the, thing, the thing with local radio people is that, that surprised me the most because I still feel like an outsider in radio because I was an air conditioning really? engineer in yeah I was an air conditioning engineer in Sydney oh, and I'd never even you. worked in an office before the no. only offices I'd worked in were ones where the air conditioning wasn't working um, <laughs> the first Makes sense. the first actual off I was always in a plant room or before that I was on a construction site as a pipe fitter in New Zealand for three years so I I um I'd never I'd only ever worked in plant rooms or sites or stuff and to, to work in an office you know, and they give you a desk and, and uh, they didn't give you a computer. It was that long ago. It was 93, my, my first thing. But to be, it, to, to, and I was 27, which is very, very late to get into radio. Yeah. And, and most people in radio, you know, they find some odd job at the radio station and kind yeah. of work their way up and then work wait till the presenter's or... sick and, and yeah. do a weekend shift. Well, I didn't. I, I went in. I was hired to do a breakfast show at, at wow. 2 PK Parks in, in the central west of New South Wales, straight out of radio school. And um, and because I, I, I spent so long in the real world before radio, and then I was surrounded by people who'd really only done radio. They'd gone to university, which I didn't go to university. Yeah. Uh, they'd gone to university, and then they'd gone to some broadcasting thing, perhaps journalism, and then into some kind of media thing, and that's all they'd done. Always, always felt like an outsider. And one of the things that surprised me was just how terrified the presenters are of the listeners. <laughs> terrified. Really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they would, uh, which, is, which is why I think, you know, I love the phone. I love in the studio getting listeners on the phone and I'm always, and then when I found out the trick of recording phone calls while the songs and the commercials were playing and then you could edit them tighter or just use a little bit of the calls. You had like quality yeah. control because people on the phone, they don't know what you're trying to achieve with broadcasting or how much time you've got before you've got to hit the news yeah. on the top of the hour. But yeah. you can you can then 
you've got it and you can then work it a little bit and make it make them sound great and the whole idea is usually to make the caller sound great and have fun with them and it's good i always i found when i was on the phone to callers i sounded more normal and less like a dj than when yeah. i was just talking to the mic you know yeah and so i loved listeners and whatever but you listen to most local radio uh, particularly commercial you don't hear listeners on the air they don't put yeah. them on the air and they don't put them on the air because they're terrified of them. Yeah. They're terrified because they've got no control, because they don't know how to record and edit and put them out. They can only do them live. Most of them aren't allowed to put live calls on. And so they're really scared of them. And so they ask for texts. Oh, yeah. Because it's most, so boring. most radio presenters manage to get on in life because they've got nothing to say. Mm. When I, when I say life, I mean professionally. I got lots to say, and I'll just say it on the radio. But um, most of them have got nothing to say. They're yeah. really actually quite boring, empty people with no opinions. And so they go in a studio with a mic, and the song finishes, and they don't know what to say. And all of a sudden, hey, they can read this out. And it sounds yeah. like they've got something to say. And the other great thing is they can have an opinion i watched such and such on tv last night i thought it was terrible they yeah. can say that but they're not actually saying it someone else has said it yeah because they're scared of having an opinion they're just terrible they're just scared people yeah. and they're they are absolutely terrified of of listeners and uh i can remember being in radio stations where it was a traffic and travel person said to me there's somebody at the door and i'm like Okay, let them in. They're like, what do you mean, a listener? Let them in. Yeah, let them in. Find out what they want. Let's talk to them. And I would bring them in and put them in, put them in the studio and put them on the air. I mean, yeah. I mean, a couple of times things didn't go so well. They'd say the wrong thing. That happened at Century in Nottingham once. Really? Yeah. Um, what, effing and blinding or something? No, but this is going to sound this is going to sound disgusting. Do you want me to? Do you want me to tell? But is it worse than sushi being eaten off the woman last week? Or I think. I think it is. Before. I think it is. Okay, was, well, you can always this, cut it out. There was this guy called Ray, who used oh, to yeah. ring up a lot, and yeah. Ray was from Kent, huh. and Ray was um, Ray was a lorry driver, and Ray, and we go. Oh, Ray's on the phone again. Put Ray on. What are you talking about? Did he talk about whatever we were talking about? We had a story. We had a phone in topic. We we're talking about whatever. So Ray was a long distance lorry driver and now and again early in the morning he'd find himself going through the east midlands and he'd pop in and we'd put him and bring him in the studio and he'd say hey ray what's going on today and he'd talk whatever and we were talking about mobile phones or something and they just got smaller and smaller and smaller it was before smartphones and he's smaller and smaller i said oh there's these little ones and they vibrate and he went yeah yeah i know someone who used one of them and then he went on to explain oh, <laughs> quite graphic detail and in his mind because he hadn't used any swear words he just used the actual names for those oh, parts of oh the anatomy Lord, really? he must have thought that was okay <laughs> at 10 past 8 in the morning with oh, mums on the school with, run listening to this yeah, with the bacon sarnie oh it's oh, too much isn't it yeah so we didn't invite him in again so actually maybe all of those presenters who are scared of listeners, maybe they're right. I, think I don't they know. Are. <laughs> I don't know. But they are. They are very. They've lived in this. A lot of them have lived in this. This bubble of media, and they are very scared of letting the outside world in, yeah. and uh, and they they're very protective, and there are a lot of 
they they hide a lot and a lot of people i mean it's their business but a lot of people um they hide their sexuality from the listener and well, you know course, and yeah. so they're used to having like i only share this much you don't yeah. get any more than that no. and i everybody has a fil has a limit and a filter there are things i won't talk about on the radio but there's not much no. and um a lot no, of people I've listened to you like and there's it. not much <laughs> <laughs> but but a lot of people aren't like that and then if you no. suddenly lift the lid on what really goes on yeah. they lose it's about control they lose control they're in an environment they can control yeah they can control who they are and what they are and what their image is and everything on the air and you come in and you go like well, this is going on as well. They can't control that, and it and, and it's a problem, and it's a, it's an insecurity, and it doesn't make them bad people. But I could see how oh, that. Oh no! So you didn't run it past them first. You didn't. Oh no, I did. No, no, I didn't. I mean, and the thing was, none of it was. It wasn't. I didn't write it as an expose either, because I'm not. No. I'm not that kind of journalist. I you just, just thought this is an interest. People might be interested in what goes on. What the other well, the things thing is, happen. It is, yeah. and the thing is, you know, sort of seeing what goes on behind the scenes, and the thing is that. I told everybody I was writing an article um, and people told me things because things, people te will tell me things. People tell me their personal stuff sometimes um, and people forget. But uh, and I suppose I probably wasn't a fully fledged journalist then, but I thought they were telling me these things because they wanted me to write about them. Of course. Them. Well, why and would course you they not? Weren't. Cause well, yeah, exactly. Maybe they don't understand that like anything you say to a journalist, they can print. That's yeah, unless you say no i don't want you to yeah. but now obviously i'm more experienced and i realize you know I, I would check double check things now but um i was really upset that they didn't like it i'll bet you were because i bet it was a good piece <laughs> it's a good piece i'll dig it out of the uh, out of the garage and send it to you sometime <laughs> yeah that's it for the lockdown lowdown this week join us next week for more about what's happening in hearts Stay safe, people.